depend on you, but Lord, we know you're good. And we know that just as we want to meet with you, you want to meet with us even more. Lord, we know you want lives to be touched and changed by your presence. We know, God, you want to see people saved. Lord, I believe there's people that need to be healed that are going to be healed. I'm believing that minds that need to be touched and made whole are going to be made whole. I'm believing that bondages that need to be broken, they're going to be broken. Come on, church, let me hear you. How many of you are in agreement with me tonight? Amen and amen. Would you give this praise team a hand clap? Aren't they phenomenal? The musicians, the singers, what a wonderful, wonderful job bringing us into the presence of the Lord. I want to jump right into the Word tonight. If you've got your Bibles, open them up to uh, Joshua chapter 24, verses 14 and 15. Joshua 24, verses 14 and 15. Just two verses, very familiar. I know you've heard, heard these preached on many times before. I was excited this morning as pastor was preaching right at the very end of his message he made a statement and all it did was add confirmation to me because he made this statement out of one of these verses I'm getting ready to read to you where basically he said choose for you choose for yourselves today who you're going to serve how many of you remember him making that that statement this morning and that was just confirmation of the word whenever I heard him say that so I want to read these verses to you Joshua 24 Verses 14 and 15. It says, Therefore fear the Lord and worship him in sincerity and truth. Get rid of the gods your fathers worship beyond the Euphrates River and in Egypt and worship Yahweh. But if it doesn't please you to worship Yahweh, choose for yourselves today the one you will worship, the gods your fathers worship beyond the Euphrates River, or the gods of the Amorites in whose land you are living, as for me and my family, we will worship Yahweh. We will worship the Lord. Truly, this has to be one of the most famous passages in the Bible. That one-liner at the very end where he says, as for me and my house, we will worship the Lord. How many of you have heard that countless times? If you go, if you go down to Hobby Lobby... You're going to see it on half of their, you know, little things that they, the, the, the pictures and stuff. It's a famous saying. It's a famous scripture. And what I love about Joshua is that to me, as I read the book of Joshua, as I study about his life, to me, he seems like a bottom line kind of guy. There was no pretense with him. There was no fluff. There was no drama. He was the kind of guy that just said, make up your mind. What are you going to do? He was the kind of guy that would come in and drop the gauntlet, so to speak, and he left the people with little choice because really there were only two options. You're either going to serve God or you're going to serve other gods, but really by extension what he meant by that when he said other gods is he really meant you're going to serve yourself. That's really what he meant. He meant that you're going to serve gods that are going to tell you what you want to hear all the time, that are going to tickle your fancy, that are going to give you permission to act and behave and live in ways that really aren't godly ways. That's really what he meant. He meant that you're either going to serve God or you're going to serve yourself. And if you study Joshua's life, there were really about three distinct periods 
in his life, there were three 40-year periods or spans of time that he proved himself to be faithful, to be trustworthy. And at this stage in the scripture, he had been elevated already to the point of being leader of the people. And again, if you study Joshua's life, you could say things about him such as he had been obedient. He had a servant's heart. He was loyal. He was courageous. He carried a level of authority. He carried a level of power that resonated with him. He had a level of credibility. These were all things that you would need to have in order to be a biblical leader. And one man said this about him, that Joshua was a great example to follow because he lived ahead of his contemporaries. He had foresight. He was able to see things to come. He also lived above his circumstances, which were many and which were hard. He was also the kind of man that lived deeper than his troubles. How many of you want to be those kinds of people? That you might have troubles in your life, but you have a deep-rooted faith in God. It goes way deeper than any of your troubles. He even lived beyond his capabilities because it was God that helped him in everything. He could only go so far. He could only go so mu- do so much, but he was living beyond his capabilities because God was with him. In fact, the very name Joshua means the Lord our salvation. Or another translation says it this way, the Lord of salvation. And even though Joshua was the leader of Israel, his very name represented who was actually leading them into the promise. It was the Lord. It was the Lord that was saving them. It was really, truthfully, the Lord that was leading them. And so let's not forget who's really leading in things going on today. In spite of all the junk we see going on in the world today, it is really the Lord that's leading. In spite of all the nonsense that's going on in our nation today, God is still in charge. In spite of all of the craziness, only God and God alone can orchestrate things and allow things to happen and yet still bring it about to a specific end, to a certain goal. And God is still ruling and reigning in power. God is still ruling and reigning with all authority. God still has dominion. God still has all glory. Somebody say amen. God has not abandoned us. God has not forsaken us. He has not given up his throne. He knows what's going on. It's all going to work out to his plan. We've read the book. We know how it ends. All things will work out for good. Somebody say amen. And so Joshua at this specific point in the text... He's really giving somewhat of a farewell address to the people. He wants to remind them of a couple of things. Namely, number one, he does not want the people to forget God's faithfulness. Nor does he want the people, uh, he, he wants to remind the people to be obedient because he goes on to explain that if they don't stay faithful and true to God, that there absolutely would be some consequences to their actions. How many of you know there's consequences to our actions? And so when you focus in on verse 15 of the speech, you'll notice that Joshua makes this famous claim that we've heard many times. And I want to hit on it from a little bit of a different angle. Joshua looked at the people and he said, you have to make a choice. He said it in a way that was very definitive. He didn't give them an option. It's either this way or that way. 
He was basically saying, are you going to serve the God of your fathers that you know really aren't helping you or benefiting you? Because otherwise you have to choose whom you will serve. But as for me and mine, as for me and mine, we will serve the Lord. So here's a principle I want to get across to you tonight, and it's this. Notice in that passage that I read to you that he uses this expression, me and mine, or in some translations it says me and my. Joshua understood that if anything's going to happen, it's got to start with me. Everybody say me. Before it's going to happen in my house, it has to first start in me. Before it's going to happen out in the world and on the job place and in the schools, it has to start with me. What I want to see start to happen must start with me. If we want to see a move of the Holy Spirit in our lives and in the church, let me stop and say, it's not even really up to God anymore. It's up to you. It's up to me. It starts with me. And this text, Joshua still speaks to us today. The change that we want to see must start in me. I cannot expect anything out there or from somebody else if I don't possess it in me first. Before it can happen in my house, it has to start with me. Before change can happen in the schools, it's got to start with me. If I want to see things happen in my kids, it has to start with me. Before it's going to happen with my friends, it starts with me. Before it starts in the city, it starts with me. Do you see a theme I'm running with here? Before it starts in the workplace, it starts with me. Before it starts in the nation, before it starts in the world, it all starts with me. And I can go on and on and on. But if you want a better marriage, it starts with you. If you want to make more money and do better financially, it starts with you. If you want to get your health in check, who does it start with? If you want things to happen spiritually with everything God has called you to do and to be, it starts with you. It cannot and it will not start with anything or anybody else except me. It starts with you, Dad. It starts with you, Mom. You want to see a change in your school? It's going to start with you, students. It starts with you, Grandma. It starts with you, Grandpa. The change that you want to see happen in this world, it's got to start somewhere, and it starts with me. Change starts when you look in the Bible and it reflects what needs to change. How many of you know what I'm talking about? Where you'll be reading something in the Word of God and you'll see something that will convict you or maybe correct you. And there's this, this responsibility to respond in a way. Am I going to change or am I not going to change? Am I going to gloss over this or not? And whenever you understand that this change starts with me, there has to be a willingness to take responsibility. Joshua said, I have made a decision. I have made a choice today. I'm not going to make any excuses. I'm not going to pass the blame. Come on, somebody. He said, I choose to be different. And we need in our lives, we need in our families, we need in our, in our nation, it's not some sort of a chain reaction, but a change reaction. There's some things in our world that need to change. When I think of like the, uh, the woman with the issue of blood, for 12 years, 
She had suffered with this, this issue. And she had sought out all the best medical advice. She had went to all the doctor, doctor after doctor looking for hope. Medication after medication looking for hope. She went to appointment after appointment, but nothing worked. But one day, she heard about Jesus. And she makes this statement, if I could just touch the hem of his garment. The change that she needed to see started with her. It started with an I. Now, I don't mean I in the sense of making it all about you, but I'm talking about an initiative to make your move. Pastor Miller this morning, when he's talking about the baptism of the Holy Spirit, guys, I want you to know that Jesus is the baptizer. He wants to baptize people. And when people want to get filled with the Holy Spirit, Jesus is willing and ready to dispense it, but he's not going to force it on you. You have to take some initiative and say, that's for me today. That's for me today. And it's the same thing is true with your healing and with blessing. The provision is there, but you have to say, it's got to start with me. Don't make it a point to wait on God to touch you. Rather, make it a point to touch him. Did you hear that? Don't make it a point to wait on God to constantly change you. Rather make it a point to touch him. Get some initiative. Take some responsibility and say, things aren't happening the way I think they should be happening. Father, where are you in this situation? Get some answers where you approach the throne of grace with boldness to say, God, I need to hear from you today. God, I need a touch from you today. Get some initiative. Somebody say initiative. I like that the Bible mentions how long that she dealt with the issue, 12 years. Listen, it doesn't matter how long the issues have lasted. It doesn't matter that they, that they lasted so long that they seem incurable or unchangeable. It doesn't matter how long it's been a part of who you are and ingrained in your life. It doesn't matter how strong the issue is that you're dealing with. Dealing with. We serve a God that can change the unchangeable. We serve a God that can cure the uncurable. We take these things and we make them a part of our identity. Only God can come in and change it like that. All of this from a woman that said that the healing that I want to see, it starts with me. Notice that she was willing to press through the crowd. She touched the hem and she received the change. The Bible says this, and I love this. Gives us a little insight here on a unique aspect of this. And I love it. That up until that point, no one had done such a thing as she did. It took courage to do what she did. She pressed in and she touched the hem of his garment and she was made whole in that moment. And sometimes we press and sometimes we wait on the Lord, but both are active. There is such a thing as staying alert and being on active standby. How many of you know what I'm talking about? Where you're on constant alert, you're waiting on the Lord to move, and there's other times where God tells you to move in those moments. Can I tell you that many times all it takes is one person to start something and spark a change. You say, well, what does this have to do with the woman with the issue of blood? I'm glad you asked. Mark chapter 6, verse 56 points out that from that time forward, and I'm quoting, many begged him that they might touch the hem of his garment. She set off a change reaction. 
And I love it how even in our services, when one person will come up and God will begin to move on one person around the altar, you just wait for it. There will be a change reaction and it'll flow over here and people will get the courage to come forward. It'll flow over here and people will come. And lives will be touched all because one person says, I'm going to take the initiative. She created a change reaction for those around her because she took responsibility and she pressed through the crowd to go beyond the limit. You have to understand the power and difference one person can make. Now we hear sermons, we hear talks on the power of one, but there is truth in that. How do I know that? Romans chapter 5 verse 19, for as by one man, excuse me, for as by one man's disobedience, many were made sinners. So also by one man's obedience, many will be made righteous. The power of one. The power of one. Notice that scripture said one and then it also used the word many. One man's disobedience, many become sinners. One man's righteousness, many made righteous. One man's obedience. Look at the power of one man, one woman. What you do matters. What you do matters. Who you are matters. Your decisions and your choices are never just about you. I am so sick and tired of the cultural lie that says this is my life. I can live it how I want to live it. It's not going to impact anyone else. That is a lie from the pit of hell. Of course your decisions, of course your choices, they have ripple effects that last down from generation to generation to generation. Ever heard of generational blessings and cursings? Of course they matter. Think of all the men and women in the Bible who dared to obey God when everything in them said not to. When everyone around them said don't and just give up. You think of great men and women. What about Paul who was told to get up what about Abraham, who was told to give up? What about Moses, who was told to speak up? What about Daniel, who was told to stand up? Paul was told to get up from the ground and take the gospel to the Gentiles. Abraham was told to give up his son, and when he obeyed, he ultimately became the father of the faith. Moses, when speaking up in the face of Pharaoh that led an entire nation out of bondage in Egypt... It was Daniel that stood up and said, I will not eat the king's meat. And he determined within himself that he would not compromise in the face of pressure. We need some Christians that will finally stand up. Daniel did not consume what the culture consumed. He did not consume what the world consumes. Change reaction occurred because the whole kingdom began to eat like Daniel ate. If you want change, then you have to answer these questions. What is God telling you to get up from? Some of you sit out there and you're coming from circumstances and situations that have knocked you to the ground. Emotionally, you're beat up, you're banged up, you feel like you're on the ground. It's time to get up. Amen? It's time to get up from the hurt. What is God telling you to give up? To whom is God telling you to speak up? Where is God telling you to stand up? Somebody say amen. amen. 
The change that you want to see, guys, it starts with me. It starts with you. One pastor that I studied gave this example. He gave an illustration, and I thought it was fitting for this message. He talked about Nike. And Nike is known for their athletic tennis shoes, but they also have the motto, just do it. It's been their motto for years and years and years, and it's caught on. So when people think of athletic shoes, most people, there's all kinds of other brands out there, but Nike, you know, was the top for years. And they, whenever you thought of just do it, automatically you thought of Nike. But some years ago, for a brief period of time, they, they temporarily changed their motto. And this is what it said. For once, don't do it. For once, don't do it. You said, what was that about? It was their response to some cultural issues that were going on at that time. And can I tell you, that's somewhat of a fitting motto for our times. It is okay to not be okay with what's going on in America. Don't pretend all is okay. Don't pretend all is all right. Don't sit there and make any more excuses thinking, what can I do? Somebody say amen. amen. Don't sit back and be silent. Don't think that all the junk in the world is going to impact everybody else but not you. And whatever you do, don't think you can't be a part of change. You can be a part of the change. you got to grab a hold of some of the responsibility and say, Lord, it starts with me. I can make a difference in the church. I can make a difference in my family. Not long ago, we had one of our church members run for the school board and said, you know what, I, I've, just, I've got to try. I don't know if I'm going to make it, but I just feel an urgency. I've got to try and do something. And you know what, ultimately he lost, but he stepped up. He might run again. And that's just an example where we can make a difference. We were changed by Jesus to bring change. Let that sink in for just a moment. We were changed by Jesus to make a change. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17 says this, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. And now that you have been changed, God wants to make you an agent of change. He wants to make you an agent of change. There's purpose in that. How do I know that? Because when you go on a little bit later on in that passage, it says three things about those that have been changed, those that have been redeemed. Number one, I don't care who you are, what your title is, every one of us is called to be a minister of reconciliation. A minister of reconciliation to who? God and to each other. We're also called in that passage to be an ambassador for Christ. You carry the message. You carry an authority. You carry with you an ambassadorship for Christ. Also, we're called to be co-laborers with Jesus Christ. All of those positions are, are change agents. All of those roles make a difference in what's going on in the world. And if you are a blood-bought saint of God... If you know Jesus Christ in the full pardon of your sins, if Jesus is the true Lord and Savior of your life, then part of your being a change, a change agent means that you are a minister. You are a minister of reconciliation when you're at home. You are a minister of reconciliation when you're on the workplace. Come on. 
You are a minister of reconciliation when you're at school. You are a co-laborer for Jesus. You carry a message and an authority of Jesus everywhere that you step. And I want to say this about change. Change often causes you to leave your comfort zone. How many of you know that's true? Joshua, he was now separated at this point for many years from Moses. That would be a hard thing to do, to follow in the footsteps of Moses. And when God come to Joshua and said, Moses, my servant is dead, God was bringing Joshua to the forefront. God wasn't trying to pass on everything and every aspect about Moses to Joshua, but there had to be this level of separation. In other words, he had to come into his own. And it's hard to step into until you've learned to step away from a few things. You can't possess your need to change until you learn to walk a little bit on your own. Come on. How many of you know that's true? Listen to what Paul says about that, forgetting those things that are behind and reaching toward those things that are before. There were some things that Joshua had to forget about Moses in order to reach his own potential. He had to press. He had to reach forward. He also had to press toward the mark of the high call of God in Christ Jesus, Philippians chapter 3, verse 14. And I want this church to understand as a collective body, but also each and every individual in here. I don't care how old you are. I don't care how young you are. Every person in here, there is a high calling on your life. There is a high calling on this church. But for some, before they can experience that, there has to be a level of separation from the old way of doing things and stepping into some change, and that's uncomfortable. Sometimes it means that you have to leave the status quo. Change up the way that you do things. Change up the way that you operate in your life. Joshua was told four times to be strong and of good courage. He had to have courage to lead alone. He had to have courage to stand alone. He had to have courage to stand on his conviction. I also want you to know that change also comes with a price. How many of you know that to be true? It will always, always, always cost you something. Change will cost you something. But here's what you've got to understand. Will the cost of not changing be worse than the cost of changing? You have to weigh that out. Joshua said, I don't know who you're going to follow, but I'm going to go with God. And he understood in that moment, here's where it cost him something. He understood in that moment that not everybody was going to go with him. What a heavy blow. People that he had been with for years and years and years and years. There was a moment where there was a defining line where he understood, I've got to follow God. And I hope you're coming with me. I pray that you're coming with me. But I've got to follow Yahweh. I'm going to serve the Lord. And I hope that you're coming with me. It might cost you your job. It might cost you your family. It might cost you some friends. It might cost you affiliations. It might cost you comfort. It might cost you some connections. It might cost you some popularity. But does the cost of not changing outweigh the cost of changing? Is it worth standing up for Christ and all that he bled for and died for and the call of God on your life? There's greatness in this church. I want you to understand also that change is a process and it's not a destination. 
Never change just for the sake of change. Amen? Change is a means to an end. It's not the goal. Change is a means to an end. It is not the goal. When we quit changing, we quit living and we quit growing. Some of us need to change. Come on, is this okay? When we quit changing is when we quit advancing. You can desire change to happen, but that doesn't matter until you pursue it. Everybody has good intentions, but until you're willing to pursue it, change also always begins with humility. Our famous passage we quote all the time, 2 Chronicles seven fourteen. Everybody wants to, the, the land to be healed and all that kind of stuff, but you know it points out that it all starts with humility. James said that God resists the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. Humility is saying, God, I am nothing without you. God, I have nothing. I am nothing. And it takes humility to change, and it takes honesty to change. And I want to close with just a couple of quick points. It takes a me before there's going to be a mine. Talking about everybody else. If you want to be an agent of change, you have to change your perspective. Amen? Y'all are getting quiet on me. Proverbs 16 verse 2 says this, All the ways of a man are pure in his own eyes, but the Lord weighs the spirits. You have to have a change of perspective. We have a natural tendency in us to think that our ways are always justified and right, but God says you need a perspective change. Isaiah chapter 6 points out Isaiah's cry. He says, Whoa, I am a man of unclean lips and an unpure heart. So before we go around and pointing fingers at everybody else, before we walk around in self-justification and actually we can actually live in bondage and not even know it. Can I tell you that's why we need regular encounters with the Lord? We have to keep our perspective right. We have to keep our hearts right. And the only way that you can do that is having encounters with God. Having regular encounters with the very presence of God. I got a a family member right now, I'm not going to mention any names, that the Lord has really been dealing with this individual. He's been in the Word, he's been reading, got all kinds of questions. And we've noticed that every time he starts taking a step toward God, he hits these roadblocks. He hits these just attacks that come on him. Everything, financial attacks, health-wise, he just gets attacked. And he'll kind of back off and, for little, and then he'll come back on. And, and he's got all these questions and he's got all And one day we were talking and, and I just, I, you know, sometimes you just get a holy frustration. Is that okay to say? I told him, I finally said, I, I don't know what else to tell you other than you just need to have an encounter with Jesus. You need to meet Jesus face to face. You need the Holy Spirit to come down and grab a hold of your heart. And listen, it's okay to have questions, but whenever you have an encounter with God, this perspective of yours is going to change. And whenever you have regular encounters with the Holy Spirit, it will make everything all right. Doesn't mean everything in the world is all right, but it means your perspective is all right. Another thing that happens, you've got to change your perspective, but you also got to change your mind. 
Don't be conformed to this world, Romans chapter 12 points out, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. I was thinking on that today. Transform, transform. I've studied all that. I've went into the Greek and all that and different messages in the past, but I just thought, well, what, what's, what's, really, what's it talking about there? And it just, the Lord just kind of spoke to my heart. He said, you know what that's talking about? And I said, no, Lord, I don't. And that's exactly the way I told him, Lord, I don't. He said, surrender. The way that you're transformed is you have to surrender your mind. You've got to surrender your will. You've got to surrender your emotions. Can, let, let me just, can I just get real with you for just a moment? I think why, why everybody, I'm jumping ahead of my notes, I'm almost done. I think why so many people hit this level in their walk with the Lord it's where they come to a place of conversion and they really believed in Jesus. They've professed him. He is the Lord of their life. But they stop and they don't go on to, they don't go on to a fully transformed life because they've never fully surrendered their mind, their will, and their emotions to the Lord. You say, well, why won't they surrender? Because they're scared to death and they don't trust. Can I tell you that surrendering unto the Lord is all about trusting God? It's all about trusting God. And I think sometimes the reasons why people are in the circumstances of life that they're in is because God has allowed them to get there so that they don't have anywhere else to go, so that they ultimately will learn to trust Him, so that ultimately they will surrender. And then ultimately, you'll be transformed. It's a process. And so the sooner that we can learn to just say, God, I'm going to take, a, le I'm still, I'm going to take a, a leap of faith here in this thing, and I'm going to surrender to you, and we will trust the word, and we will be transformed. Things will change. There'll be a perspective change. You've got to learn to surrender. Don't just stop at salvation and justification. You have to allow your mind to be renovated. Anytime I, I, I've done enough work on homes, I've flipped enough homes in my life, going and rehab homes. First thing you got to do in most situations, you got to go in there and demo those things. You just got to rip out all the old junk and carry it out before you can ever put in new. And can I tell you, there's some things in people's hearts and minds that need to be demoed mindsets that need to be destroyed, wrong thinking that needs to be torn down. Can I just be so bold? Can I, can I, can I just tell you? One of, one of the great success stories of Christ way and Shepherd's Fold and all these great ministries is because one of the things that they know they got to do is they have to get people away from an environment. They got to get them out of an environment. And then they start going through a transformation process. But the first part of that transformation process is they're demoing, they're hitting head on all this faulty junk in people's minds. They got to rip all that stuff out. And then they start pouring in so that people's hearts and minds can be transformed. I heard just the other day, and don't ask me to quote who said it in the study and all that kind of junk, I don't remember. But basically the point of it was it said that the human brain, it takes 90 days for literal, the synapses and the connections and all this kind of stuff in your brain to change. 90 days. 
And so the point I'm trying to make is this. You get, you get people that are saved and they've professed Jesus Christ, but there's still these bondages and things that's part of their soul and part of their mind and part of their heart. You have to get them out of that environment so that literally, physically, physiologically, their mind can begin to change. That's why the Word of God says in Romans 12, you have to be transformed by the renewing of your mind. And literally, it's not just talking heavenly spiritual talk. There is a physical part of it where it impacts your soul and your spirit and your mind and you become something totally new in Christ. But you have to surrender. I love going over to, to Shepherd's Fold. And I love watching the progression of seeing these men that come in and seeing the work of God in their lives. I'm over there every other week. And some of them you can see that are still beat down and hanging on and, and not letting go. But you can see others that have finally started just surrendering to the process. They just started surrendering to the process that God's got them in. And you say, what's going on? They're being transformed. They're in the Word three and four times every day. They're in an environment that's good and that's holy. And it's, it's not just their spirit that's been transformed. Their very essence, their very mind, their heart, their soul, their being is being transformed. All of our thinking patterns stem from four things. All of our thinking patterns stem from four things. And here they are. Past experiences, environments, credible authorities. Let me, let me just hit the pause button on that one right there. You know why all the drama that went on around COVID? Remember all that drama? Should we wear a mask? Should we not wear a mask? Should we get the vaccine? Should we not get the vaccine? You, you, you know why there was so much drama around that? Because all of the credible authorities kept fighting each other. This doctor would say this. This doctor would say that. They wouldn't agree with each other. And then you get everybody else out here and we're like, what, who, who do we believe? You get this one credible authority over here that says, oh, you got to do this. And you get this next credible authority over here that says, no, 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 don't do that. Well, you guys are supposed to be experts. Who do we listen to? And so what happens is in people's hearts, in people's lives, they learn from personal experience. They learn from the environments that they grow up in. They learn from credible authorities that's supposed to have all this, you know, brainiac stuff. And then also repetition. Repetition, just doing the same old thing. It sets up patterns. Now let me just stop and say this. These four things have shaped all of us. And here's why this is big. Because even after salvation, we are still shaped by those same four things. Did you all get that? I think sometimes we're hard on people because we think, oh, they're up in the altar now, they accept Christ, they profess Christ. Why do they still have all these sin issues in their life? Are you kidding me? Are you kidding me? They have been shaped by these things. So here's the thing. If you are saved, don't just stay at the conversion level and never move on to transformation. You've got to have the right perspective of God and of people, and then God will allow you to move into the destiny he wants. But it starts with you. 
It starts with me. You have to allow the Holy Spirit. You have to allow the Word of God. You have to allow the blood of Jesus. You have to allow the anointing and all these things to re-educate you. And that's a process. Even the Apostle Paul had to go off into Arabia for three years to get re-educated before he could ever step into his anointing, before he could ever step into his call. And by the way, he was already filled with the Holy Ghost when he left to do that. So we have to go through these things. Lastly, I will say this, if these musicians would come. How many of you feel the Holy Spirit in here tonight? It takes a change of heart. I love what David prayed. He said, create in me a clean heart. Oh God, and renew a steadfast spirit within me. Let it start with me. Let, it, let us never be up here where we're pointing bony fingers at other people. Let it start right here. If everybody would let it start with me. Everybody say me. If everybody would let it start with us as individuals. Before we can ever say that we're going to do all these big things. For the Lord, let it start with us. Before... We can say, as for me and my house, it's going to have to start with us. I would like everyone to stand tonight, if you would. How many of you feel the Holy Spirit? Come on, raise your hand if you feel the Holy Spirit in here tonight. How many of you have been challenged by the Word tonight? I want to ask you this. How many of you are ready to respond to the Word tonight? Raise your hand if you're ready to respond. Every hand raised, every eye closed. Now, church, listen. I had mentioned to you a while ago, and I said this, that there is such just great, untapped, unlimited potential in this church. I mean that sincerely. In the church and in you individually, and some of you, is, and, and Pastor hit on it so well this morning, some of you don't feel qualified. You know, you... you for, for, for whatever reason, like he said, maybe you're afraid of the Holy Spirit. Maybe you're afraid of various things, different things. Maybe you're ashamed. Maybe you say, well, I got sin issues in my life. Listen, just, just let it start with you. Take the first step. You say, well, Josh, what is this about? It's about whatever it needs to be about. That's what it's about. It's about whatever it needs to be about. Some of you, maybe you're in here and you're looking. God, what is it you, you want me to do? What is this great call on my life? What is this thing? Well, before you can ever do anything great, you've got to let it start with you, something small. Maybe you want to see a difference in the church. Maybe you want to see a difference in, in, in the schools. Maybe you want to see a difference in your family. Maybe you want to see a difference in your health. Maybe you want to see a difference in your finances. Maybe you want to see everybody you know filled with the Holy Ghost. Whatever the case may be, let it start with you. I, I, I know we did it this morning, and I, I, I'm, you know, I'm not trying to drag this thing out, but I, I feel like, I feel like God wants to move up here tonight. I feel that. And I think some of you, even, even some of you that's filled with the Holy Spirit, maybe there's certain things 
that you just need to surrender before the Lord. I feel like some of you, maybe there's some, maybe there's some sinful habits. And I don't know, I'm not pointing fingers at nobody. This, I feel this in my soul. Maybe there's some sin habits. You say, Josh, I know God's got bigger, greater things in store, but there's just some things I need to get under the blood. Listen, here, here's the key to it. Here, here's the key to it. You have to surrender to the Lord every day. And you say, well, Josh, surrender goes against my nature. I don't like to surrender. Surrender is a sign of losing. It's a sign of tapping out. No, friend. When you surrender more to the Lord, you get more of God that fills that void that you thought that sin was filling up in the first place. And you get a peace and you get a comfort and you have this right standing and a confidence with God knowing that everything is okay between you and the Lord. And another thing that happens is you're creating a spot and a place for the Holy Spirit to move in your life like never before. How many of you want the Holy Spirit to move in your life like never before? How many of you would love to be like a Peter walking down the street and all of a sudden your shadow pass over somebody and they get healed? And I, I, I'm, not I'm not trying to sensationalize this. I'm not trying to be goofy. I'm just talking about where you surrender to the full, the, the, the full call of God, but it starts with you. Don't wait on somebody else to make the move. You make the move. Yes. You say, well, Josh, I'm not qualified. Neither were the apostles. They were a bunch of unlearned men according to Scripture. So church, every hand raised, Right now, in the name of Jesus, some of you, the Holy Spirit is moving on your hearts. He's giving you thoughts, things that need to change, things that need to happen, things that need to change. Some of you, it's coming to your minds right now. It starts with you. Make your move. Make your move right now. Come on. Come on around the altar. Make your move. Yes. Yes, 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 yes. People, come on. Yes, people are coming. Come on, come on, come on, come on. <clears throat> going to repeat myself here because I, I feel like I need to. I'm going to say it again, some of the stuff I just said a few moments ago. Those of you that are up here, this is a word of the Lord right now. Those of you that are up here, you are surrendering. You are making a conscious choice to surrender some things. And you feel like that it's going to be a battle. It's going to be a battle for 90 days. It's going to be a battle for 90 days. It's going to be a war in your soul for 90 days. And every morning when you get up and you say, and you surrender to the Lord, I want you to envision a reality that's actually taking place, not just in the spiritual, but in the physical. Your brain is literally being rewired and transformed with godly stuff. The old habits, the old ways are dying off. You will be transformed by the renewing of your mind, by the word. There's going to be a demolition job in some of you the next couple weeks. The old habits, the old way of doing things, the things you did in secret, the stuff you did by yourself, that's all about to be ripped up out of you. It's a demo job. And God is going to start doing a construction. He's going to renew everything in your mind, everything in your heart. Come on, church. 
Come on, stretch your hands this way if you would, please. Can I get some anointed prayer warriors up here? Come on, Lukey. Lily, come on up here, baby. I want you to pray. Hannah, come on up here. Can we get some anointed prayer warriors? There's, there's spiritual warfare going on right here. It's going to start with you. That change in your family, household salvation, it's going to start with you. Breaking those generational curses, those addictions, it starts with you. Storm. 
tonight the good that's been accomplished tonight there are people that have stepped out in faith tonight over things made decisions that have went all in they're saying God let me be part of the change their family is going to be radically changed because of tonight what the Lord has done there's individuals that's going to be radically changed because of what God has done. I'm talking about a definitive move where they'll look back years and years and years later and they'll say, it was that night when the Lord moved. When I made a commitment, when I did this. When, tonight's the night for many people. How many of you believe that in the house? <clears throat> Father, in Jesus' name, we're so thankful. Holy Spirit, we're so thankful for moving tonight and just being real. 
God, you are real, but Lord, we love moments where you just come down and you just touch our lives, where you wreck our lives, God. You touch our minds, you touch our souls. Lord, and it just confirms what we already know. But Lord, you're so, you're so real, you're so good, you're so tangible. And Lord, that makes it easier in a way to where we can step out and say, let it change with me, let it start with me. Because we know we're not alone. We're not alone. Lord, we love you. We praise you. just a moment this is so definitive tonight for so many people this has not been a usual service Father, I, I pray in the name of Jesus, every single, there was a lot of young people up here tonight, Lord. I pray that we would see change in the schools, radical change in the schools, changes in the homes. And it's gonna impact everything that they put their hands to. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Praise the Lord. Give the Lord a hand clap tonight. You're welcome to stay as long as you want to stay. You're welcome to stay as long as you want to stay tonight. We'll be here. God bless you.